0: Today's scripture reading, let's get back to what we're here for. Today's scripture reading uh, comes to us from the letter to Corinthians, the first letter that Paul writes to this community, the third chapter, verses one through nine. Let's listen for a word from God this day. Paul writes to them, brothers and sisters, I couldn't talk to you like spiritual people, but like unspiritual people like babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink instead of solid food because you weren't up to it yet. Now, you are still not up to it because you are still unspiritual, like babies in Christ. When jealousy and fighting exist between you, aren't you unspiritual and living by human standards? When someone says, I belong to Paul... And another says, I belong to Apollos. Aren't you acting like people without the spirit? After all, what is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants who helped you to believe. Each one had a role given to them by the Lord. I planted. Apollos watered. But God made it grow. Because of this, Neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but the one who is anything is God who makes it grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together, but each one will receive their own reward for their own labor. We are God's co-workers, and you are God's field, God's building. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The year was 1992, and all the political debates, the mudslinging, the campaigning were finally coming to an end. Then President George H.W. Bush found himself heading into election season with high approval ratings but also in a war for reelection on a number of fronts. There were challengers in his own party, unhappy with the way he handled several things, including taxes. There was an independent billionaire looking to score a win for a third party candidate known as Ross Perot. And then there was a, a more serious but fresh faced opponent from Arkansas by the name of Bill Clinton. This was the presidential race that gave us memorable quotes as, who am I? Why am I here? It's the economy, stupid. And of course, I did not inhale. (laughs) It also just so happens to be the first presidential election I ever voted in. Now, before you go run off and cry voter fraud, let me clarify for a moment. As a practice of civic engagement, St. Mary's Catholic Elementary School invited all 250 students from third to eighth grade to participate in our own internal presidential election. In the weeks leading up to election day, we made campaign posters and we hung them in the hallway. We gave speeches on behalf of our preferred candidate, We even secretly dabbled in the dark art of lobbying, exchanging cookies at lunch for votes. But while the rest of my third grade colleagues were stuck at home, busy copying campaign logos by hand and hand pressing buttons, I was bringing the real deal to school. I had official campaign posters and official yard signs. I had shirts and stickers emblazoned with the words Clinton 92 in full red, white, and blue. Because as it turned out, I had a connection. Close relative of mine who should not be named has been recruited to help for the Oklahomans for Clinton campaign. So every time a new box of Clinton swag made it to the campaign office, a small portion of that got siphoned off for the 250 kids in the very important St. Mary's Elementary School election. So when the first Tuesday, after the first Monday in November arrived, I was ready. I had shaken hands, I had passed out T-shirts, I had made deals at recess, and now all we could do was sit back and wait for the results. It was almost the end of the day when Mr. Goldsmith, the school principal, came over the intercom and made the announcement. The results of our election are in. With 249 out of 250 votes, St. Mary's elects George H.W. Bush as president. As it turns out, Nine to 13 year olds aren't real great political barometers. Because not only did our elementary school fail to predict the national results, but also because my friends and I had no actual political opinions of our own. We were simply reflecting the talking points we heard at home around the dinner table. Which may have been why a couple of interesting phrases suddenly became popular soon after the election. Fifth graders telling their friends in the hallway, don't blame me, I voted for the other guy. And he's not my president scribbled on the walls of the seventh grade bathroom. Words that even today we are far too familiar with in our political process. Outside of the yard signs and the bumper stickers and the t-shirts, using phrases like these are, are ways to set clear divisions to identify who's on our team and who isn't, who we can trust and who we should fear, who is right, and more importantly, who is wrong. For the church in Corinth, though, this isn't some mock exercise in civic engagement, but a real earnest question of who they should follow and who should lead them. Years before this letter, the Apostle Paul found himself traveling through the great city of Corinth. It was a bustling seaport in the south of Greece that was filled with every flavor of life that humanity had to offer. As the center of trade for the Roman Empire, ships arrived in port every day, not only bringing a a variety of goods for sale, but also a diversity of language and culture, wisdom, and traditions. To live in Corinth required a sense of excitement and an enjoyment of life as well as an openness to new people and ideas. Which is probably why the Apostle Paul finds Corinth to be such fertile ground for this new Christian experiment. In his commentary on 1 Corinthians, N.T. Wright explains that Paul's early work primarily focused on bringing Gentiles together. People believing in various gods and goddesses but without any idea that history that the story of the world was going anywhere, or that their lives might be part of that story. In Corinth, Paul preaches that in Christ, they have been caught up in God's great love story. And it's one that catches on. The church in Corinth begins to grow with joy and excitement and passion and people. And then Paul leaves town. Not long after, though, another charismatic leader arrives in Corinth, like Paul. Apollos is well versed in scripture. He preaches with passion. He grows the church with joy and excitement and passion and people. And then Apollos leaves town. So it's no wonder, then, that without someone to guide them, the divisions start to become common. Folks telling their friends, you know, Paul was a much better preacher. Or don't blame me, I follow Apollos. Arguments which soon begin to pit the church against one another and threaten to tear the whole thing apart. And so in this distress, Paul writes to them in his standard form. He begins 1 Corinthians with an extension of grace and peace. And then offers a word of thanks to God for them and their witness. But then with the niceties out of the way, Paul lets them have it. For the love of God and everything holy, stop being so stupid and grow up. Which is where our reading picks up today. Babies get jealous and pick fights with one another, Paul says. So for the love of God and everything holy, stop being so stupid and grow up. This is not about you. This is not about me. This is not about Apollos. This is about God. And it's about our call to be Christ's disciples and to be co-workers for the kingdom. Passion. But it's easy for Paul. It's easy for Paul to say all this as he cruises throughout the Mediterranean, planted churches, and then leaving and taking off to the next exotic city. It's something entirely different for those who've been left behind to continuing water what he has planted. Because it's one thing to rouse up joy and excitement and preach passionate sermons of God's great love story, and another thing to keep that joy and excitement alive while debating which kind of flowers should be used in worship. Should we use paper plates or china for the church potluck? Do we print our bulletins in color or in black and white. All while enviously trying to keep up with the Joneses. Truth be told, this past week I had one of these jealousy spells that Paul writes about. In between meetings, I had foolishly clicked on a link for the Facebook page of another church in town. And immediately, I was met with a video of a fresh-faced pastor with perfectly perfectly coiffed hair, inviting me and everyone else who clicked on the link to join them on Sunday mornings for worship. The pastor kept on talking as the video began to display images of their freshly renovated facilities for children and youth, a sanctuary filled with bright, smiling people and then crowds of folks spilling out into a jam-packed parking lot. As the video ended, I sat back in my chair for a moment as a wave of jealousy washed over me, thinking to myself, you know, if only I worked harder. If only we had that kind of facility. And then came the wave of defensiveness that always shows up. You know, their choir isn't as good as ours. We have better volunteers. belong to Paul. No, I belong to Apollos. This immature jealousy and division that makes us lose sight of the bigger picture of it all. But luckily, as an act of providence, a few minutes later, my computer dinged with a message. An email had arrived from the presbytery office, the regional authority for our denomination, They were writing because they had heard of the work we were doing as part of the Norman Coalition for Refugee Support. They had heard about how we've been supporting 12 Afghan families for several years now, and they were hoping that there was a way that they could partner with us in providing mental health counseling and academic tutoring for the children. And then suddenly, those shouts of, I belong to Paul, i belong to apollos went quiet and i was reminded of paul's words to the corinthians for the love of god and for everything that is holy stop being so stupid and grow up this is not about you This is not about me. This is not about the church across town. This is about God. And it's about our call to be Christ's disciples and a call to be co-workers for the kingdom. Too often I forget that. Too often we forget that. We get distracted by what other people are doing and what other people are believing how other people are acting and we lose sight of this bigger picture the greater love story that god has invited each and every one of us into so today may we see ourselves as part of that great story may we see ourselves as god's co-workers for the kingdom, but maybe, just maybe, most of all, may we grow up in the name of the Creator, the Christ, and the Spirit. Amen.